Hi, and welcome to the Joyful Weight Loss Podcast. If you're tired of yo-yo dieting and want to learn how to permanently lose the weight in a way that it's simple, easy, and fun, you are in the right place because I can teach you how. I am your host, Chris Berlingeri, MD. Come on, let's go. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here back again. Um, I hope you're enjoying your month of December. How's that holiday time going? I am super excited for you and for me <laughs> because I have an exquisite treat for you guys. And no, it's not a treat for my bakery. I have an amazing master life coach today as a guest for you here in my podcast. And I adore her. And before we started recording, I was just telling her that I love talking to her so much. And we're just going to go where this conversation takes us. She's anything that she's going to say is going to be amazing. So let me just start with that. And um, I'm just kidding because I just, you know, we in this busy world, world to have a segment of my time and her time just clicking together is just such a treat. Her name is Maggie Reyes. And, you know, I'm Puerto Rican and she's from Cuban descent. So who knows what can happen here, okay? So let's have some fun and welcome Maggie and please introduce yourself for my audience. So first of all, thank you for that introduction. I, when the <laughs> podcast comes out, I'm going to save it for a cloudy day. And if I'm ever in a cloudy moment, I'm going to be like, anything that comes out of my mouth is going to be Oh amazing. yes, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I love that so much. Um, and I just want to tell everybody who's listening, you know, if they're listening to this podcast, they know that when you have a coach, a coach just believes in you more than you believe in yourself some days. Mm -hmm. And I just want to invite everybody to just borrow what just happened here, where it's like anything you do is going to be amazing. That's the experience of being coached by Chris is where <laughs> you come into her space and she's just going to hold that beautiful space for you. So I just want to say that. Um, so hi, everyone. I am a marriage coach. I help type A women. If your checklists have checklists, you're my person. Um, I help type A women have a better marriage. And I love doing that work. I believe that relationships are such a huge lab of growth for all of us. Um, one of my quotes that gets quoted more often than others is how you love is how you live. Yes, so good. And so that's the work that I do every day is I help people love themselves uh, better and then love their partners better. I love it. So just before we joined um, in the Zoom space to record this, I was looking through your website yeah. um, because I've listened to you in many, many, many forums. Yeah. And as I was seeing, I help type A women yeah. with their marriage. And I'm like, okay, Mary, um, Maggie, I need to hire you. Like, now. Do it now. <laughs> yes. Particularly when I was reading the part about um, incorrectly loading the dishwasher. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm not the only one. It seems. <laughs> you are not the only one. The dishwasher, the socks on the floor, the all these little, the raking of the leaves, right? Mm -hmm. We think these things are little things, but these are the things that make up the tapestry of our life. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big believer that when we coach and work through these little things, we find we have big breakthroughs. Yes. There's nothing too small to talk about. I love it. Love it. How do you, what would you say is kind of like the most common, not concern or issue that 
a client just brings to you in that first session? Like why, what is that tipping point, that reason, most common reason, if you think of one, that they decide I'm just going to get some help for my marriage? I think there's a variety of things for different people, but something that often happens is there's a low grade annoyance that just doesn't go away. And it took me a few years to figure out what it was because it's kind of like some people will come to me and there is a, a breach of trust or a very clear triggering event where mm-hmm. something happened and you have to work through it. So some, you know, some people have that, but a lot of people, there's just like, if we keep going this way, this doesn't feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if we think about when somebody's working on their weight, sometimes it's not even that it's like a clear amount of pounds or something. It's just mm-hmm. like, I don't feel good in my body. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's kind of like that. It's like that's when is that sort of low grade annoyance that doesn't go away. Yes. Um, is one. And then I used to run a free uh, Facebook group. I ran it for three years and about 4,000 people were in it when I closed it. And I used to ask everybody when they joined, what is the biggest issue in your relationship? Mm-hmm. And 98% of the people said communication and 2% of the people said all the other things. So yes. parenting, sexual things, you know, family things, whatever. So communication is something that we work on a lot. And I developed my own um, communication framework as a result of seeing that come up so many times. I love that. I totally agree. Like I can see as you're talking, I'm like, I ju- I'm just seeing my marriage like in front of me and I can relate to every single thing that you have said. When you said like this low level annoyance content that doesn't go, I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, I can That's see that. Thing. That's a thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and I would love, love, love for you to share that communication um, what do you call it? The framework. Community. I call yeah. I call yes, it the framework, framework yeah. because for those of you who are listening that are not necessarily married or in a relationship, yeah. I think communication is so key in every relationship that we have, yes. like with our bosses, our coworkers. Because I remember our mentor Brooke Castillo. She would say, "There's always four four conversations going on. It's like what you want to say, the words that are coming out of your mouth." The words that the other person is listening and what the other person thinks they're saying. So you yes. sound like, what's okay. going yeah. on? So at the end, we don't even know what happened. And, you know, so it, and it can cause problems and issues. So can you take us through that communications framework? Yes, absolutely. It would be my pleasure. It's something I think is so useful. And I'll tell you just this before I explain it for everyone listening. Um, whenever I teach a workshop on this, I like to ask you this. I'm going to ask you all. Think about the conversation you're avoiding. So think about that. As, I, as you're listening to me explain this, think about which conversation you're avoiding or which conversation just always ends in either going in circles or having an argument or a discussion. Or think about that person that you hesitate to communicate with because it's just always so difficult. So everybody has one of those three things, either something you're avoiding, something that always spirals in some way, or the person so Chris is nodding. She's like, I have all I'm three. like rolling my eyes. <laughs> like, I know. Okay. So think about that as I explain these things. And so here's a little bit of um, the background of it. So I used to run this group and people would give me all their answers. And then I'd ask them, where do you get stuck? Is it the expressing yourself clearly? Is it listening? Like, what, Where are all the stuck points? So I would just make a note of all the different places where people got stuck. And when I sat down to create this, 
my goal was to make it so simple that like today you can hear it once on this podcast and take one thing away and start using it immediately. So simplicity. And it had to be something you could use by yourself that it didn't require the other person to know mm, the process. Because yes. there's some great communication frameworks in the world that are absolutely wonderful, but they require the other person to then reflect back and do the process with you. And, I, and my whole work is based on systems theory, which is when one person makes a change in a system, the whole system reacts yes. to that change. So it had to be in alignment with like, what if you're the only one who's doing it? So mm-hmm. just to give you all that sort of background. So it's called soul-centered communication. And there's a soul part and there's a centered part. I'm going to explain both of them. Um, the soul part, and I'm going to tell you what they are, then I'm going to go back and tell you each thing item by item. So the soul part stands for solution-focused, open-hearted, uncomplicated, and loving. So even without me explaining anything, everybody just oh, am I solution-focused? Am I open-hearted? Am I being uncomplicated right now? And am I being loving, right? You could just, even without knowing what they mean in depth, you could just take that away and start running with that. But I will explain in depth. And then the centered part is about where we are in our stress cycle. Am I at equanimity? Am I calm and focused? Or am I in fight or flight or freeze or peace? Mm -hmm. And so once we understand where we are in our stress cycle and the person you're talking to, are they in fight or flight or freeze or appease? Where are they in the conversation? And I think I'm going to just start with that and then we'll, we'll go back to the soul part. So one of my favorite references and resources in the marriage work that I do is an institute called the Gottman Institute. And they do research on what makes couples thrive, what makes couples not thrive, and then they create interventions based on their research. And one of the things they have found is they they have a lab where they hook up people to pulse oximeters and to different things that they monitor the heart rate and all these Mm -hmm. different things. And they've uncovered, like when you're in a stress cycle, they call it flooding. You are flooded with actual chemicals that are in your body. So when you see red, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, that red that you see, it's like you're flooded with these chemicals in your body. That flooding takes about 10 to 15 minutes to process through physiologically mm-hmm. in your body. So everybody listen now. You're having a conversation with someone. When if you gets upset and when does everyone want to problem solve? Like when in the moment. In the moment. <laughs> when, they're, when they're completely flooded and, they're, and the whole range of cognitive ability is not available for you. <laughs> So for everyone listening, that's not a good idea. What we want to do is take a breath, take a moment, step away. If you're at Thanksgiving or if you're at a meeting with your team, you want to take a moment, you want to step away, and then you want to come back when you're not flooded anymore. Okay. Maggie, I yeah. lost you a little bit on when you said everybody wants to problem someone they are flooded. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So um, we can go back and, and, and check the recordings. I'm going to say this again for everybody listening. And yes. if you heard it twice, it's fine. That's how we learn is by repetition. So um, so when most people want to problem solve, it's like you see the other person upset or you get upset. And then, I don't know, I'm Latin. So I'm like, I want to solve it right now. Right? But it's the mm-hmm. worst time to problem solve is when you're feeling that way. You're not actually thinking clearly. Like, literally in the cells of your body you are impaired from clear thinking and that's when Mm -hmm. everybody wants to solve things so if you learn one thing from us today 
learn to take a breath, take a pause, step away, and stop trying to problem solve when you're flooded. Because to relate it to food, then we reach for food to comfort yes. ourselves in the middle mm -hmm. of our flooding. But if we learn to pause, step away, understand it's a physiological reaction, we can breathe, we can take a walk, we can look at a pretty picture, we can pet the dog or play or whatever it is that calms us down, we can go in and, and from that place, move yes. forward, yes. Let me mention something and you just, I just had a big aha moment. You know, when we, what I teach my clients and what I was taught myself was when we had overeating or eating a protocol or whatever, you know, um, when you eat in a way or drink in a way that it's really what you didn't want to, instead of like to study them, to see if there's yes. a pattern. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I found out like a year ago that I almost always overate when I was around two people. Uh -huh. And one of them is one of the ones that came to my mind. Yeah. that I avoid talking to, yeah. that I have different... And I just thought, I'm like, oh, I'm flooded in that moment. I'm not having the conversation that I may want to have. I'm yes. avoiding, let me just eat, 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 eat. Fascinating. Love yes, it. yes, yes. Okay, so now that we see that connection, we can do something about it, right? Awareness creates authority. We have awareness, we see the connection. Now we can choose what we want to do instead. So the centered part um, basically is just recognizing um, am I in fight or flight or freeze or appease? Do I see the other person being in one of those? And I'm going to just mention one of them. I do a whole training on this inside the marriage MBA, but this is like the basics, just for you to understand the basics. So one of the biggest frustrations I see in couples is when one of the partners agrees to something and doesn't follow through. <laughs> I love Chris's face. Chris's face is a poem. It's the best. Okay, does this sound familiar to anyone? Right. <laughs> okay. Please tell me so. Okay, so here's what happens. Our partners are in a fawn or appease response. They're in a perception of danger, and then they're reacting by saying yes to whatever we want, right? Then they can't actually do the thing we want for whatever reasons. Everybody has different ones. Then we get mad at them again for not doing the thing they said they were going to do. So it's super useful to understand if you're with someone who you suspect is saying yes, but they're just doing it to get out of the conversation, for you to be able to label, oh, they are in a stress response. They're just going to agree with whatever I say. Maybe they're flooded. Maybe we need to reschedule, reassess. Maybe we need to do something different. Or we just allow them to be in the stress response and then don't expect them to actually follow through with whatever they agreed to. Yes. Mm -hmm. because one of the biggest breakthroughs I remember one of my clients had was with her with her husband she's like oh sometimes he's just gonna agree to things just yeah. having that knowledge it doesn't mean he loves you any less it doesn't mean he doesn't care it doesn't mean all the different meanings we attach to it that person was just in a stress response so I'm just gonna tell you about that one like each one of them we could talk in depth about but for today just remember that mm -hmm. one because I've seen that happen so much Yes. And I will say that without a lot of details, right? But yeah. I just went through myself through that not that long ago yeah. where I was trying to troubleshoot some issues in my marriage because of that and like yeah. annoyance and whatever. Yeah. And one of the things that came up, and I think that's, and correct me if I'm wrong yeah. because I really don't know the data, yeah. 
but it seems like for overachieving women like ourselves yeah. and type eight women, we may find ourselves married to a person who wants to please us all the yes. time. Like they yes. want, they want us to admire them and like yes. to be counted in. And sometimes we just don't appreciate that. And we just get mad and mad and mad because they're trying to please us, but they always kind of like fall short to that. Yes. Okay. So I actually have a whole hypothesis about this. So we're going to go back to soul-centric communication in a second. I'm just going to tell you this hypothesis because it's really relevant to what you just said. So I call it the hero hypothesis. And my hypothesis is that our partners want to be our heroes. And what happens when we have very high standards, when we want things done a particular way, when we have whatever it is going on for us is very often a dynamic or a pattern that emerges is they'll try to do things and then we'll be disappointed and then they'll try to do things and then we'll be disappointed. And then they stop trying because their perception is that we're always disappointed. So anytime we can create a win for our partners it's a very good idea, even if the win is the smallest one. I love how you made the coffee today, or I love how you did this thing, or, oh, can you bring the milk home? And then they bring the milk home, and I'll thank you so much that I didn't have to go and do that so I could do my mm-hmm. you know, thing that I'm mm-hmm. doing. Um, anytime we can create those small wins where they have the experience of being our heroes, what happens is they love that, they want more of that, and then they re-engage, and they try again, and they try harder. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a hypothesis. I've tested it with my clients, and so far, it's it's bared truth. Like so far, when we notice if we if we feel like our partner has stopped trying or is disengaged or something like that, and we start um, noticing and praising the things that they are doing, very often, not always. Some of you really are married to jerks, but most people are not, right? No. <laughs> like I'd say, most people are married to good people having bad days, right? That's yeah. how I, mm-hmm. I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so very often when we start acknowledging and then they create the experience that they can be our heroes, then we just turn everything around just by noticing that, paying attention to that, and then creating opportunities for them to, to help us. Yes. I'm so mad. I mean, I just literally have been going through that and I already see the results. Like first it took for me to see his actions as kind of like, it was just cute to me to understand that he was trying to please me. I'm like, Oh, he's just trying to, you know, like just me give him a compliment or something like that. How sweet and how cute. So I started doing that. And I'm telling you, Maggie, I don't feel for the last couple of weeks like that annoyance and whatever, rolling my eye has completely lifted. And we have been having like such beautiful, here I am like pouring my heart out, but my listeners know that I am like that. Um, it's just, I think it's true. That hypothesis, I've, I've lived it myself. For sure. I love that so much. Okay. So now we're going to go back to the soul part of the soul centered communication. So centered is, am I centered is the person I'm talking to centered. And if we're not, can we take a break in some way? So that's the centered part, the soul part, solution focused, open-hearted, uncomplicated and loving so solution focus is very simple very often we go in circles in communications and we want to remember to not lose the plot so Mm -hmm. what what do i really want out of this conversation what does resolution look like here sometimes we need to not start the conversation until we actually know what we want out of it or we're just Mm going to waste time talking in circles so that's the simplest way to think about am i being solution focused what is what is it that I want to accomplish 
and what is it we need to talk about in order to accomplish it. So that's the first thing. Whether you're planning a vacation or whether you're working through a difficult situation, whatever it is, it's like, where do I want to be at the end? Mm-hmm. So that's solution focused. Open-hearted. Again, we go back to the fabulous research from the Gottmans. They have found that couples who thrive are open to each other's influence. Okay. It doesn't mean you're going to do everything your partner says. It just means you'll take it into consideration when you decide whatever you're going to decide. So when we're having a conversation with someone, am I open-hearted? Am I willing to consider their point of view? Mm-hmm. It's, it's that simple. Now, very often we think we are, but we have already decided before we started yeah. the conversation. Yeah, we have a whole agenda. Want. We have a whole agenda. So how do you know if you're open-hearted or not? So I started teaching this to my one-on-one clients little by little. They started testing it in the world, coming back to me. And one of my clients, very savvy, said, but Maggie, I think I'm always open-hearted. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think I am. So how would you know if you are or not? Here's how you figure it out. Am I huggable? Oh. Right? Am huggable. I Huggable. If we pause the conversation right now and Chris and I were in the same room, they said, Chris, can I give you a hug? She'd say yes. Yeah. Totally open, open, receptive to what I'm saying. So now transport yourself to that person who's difficult to talk to. Wow. This is how you have the visceral experience in your body of am I open or am I closed? I love it. (laughs) You're a genius. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So am I huggable? Now, in a professional setting, it's like, would I shake their hand? Okay. Am I willing to talk to them? Whatever, whatever that would be. But even in a professional setting, you could think about that difficult boss and be like, well, if we were, if it was appropriate, would I be mm-hmm. willing to hug them? Mm-hmm. And you know immediately if you're not. Yes, for yeah. sure. And then when you're having a conversation, you want to check if I'm not open-hearted or open-minded, what is the point? conversation i know we need a break we need to talk about something else we need to regroup we need to reset because there's no point in continuing on if there's something you need to work through Mm -hmm. before you have the conversation so that's open-hearted uncomplicated is one thing one thing only and Mm -hmm. then the next thing yeah now you know um I, as uh, Chris said, I'm Cuban-American. Now, I was actually born in Puerto Rico. Oh, that's I, right. My mom, who's, who is Cuban, um, had that, couldn't, she couldn't have me in Cuba, so she had me in Puerto Rico. It was, uh, mm-hmm. in Spanish, it says, the las dos alas, you know, the, of one bird, they are the two wings. Uh, yes, yes. That's a thing that Cubans and Puerto Ricans feel like, you know, very united. Yes, yes. But the point is, I am Latin. And I want to talk about that time in 1987 when you offended me. (laughs) And I am not letting that go. (laughs) So uncomplicated is one thing, one thing only, and then the next thing. Not the 50 things that happened from 1987 to today. (laughs) Just the thing that's on the table right now. Mm -hmm. That's uncomplicated. Okay. One thing, one thing only, and then the next thing. Yes. My husband is an engineer and he taught me the term scope creep. So when we have a project and then the scope creeps into a bigger project and a bigger project and bigger project. So let's say I want to buy a, a toothbrush holder for the bathroom. 
but then I also need the little tray for the soap. But then you're remodeling. It turns into a remodel of the whole bathroom. That is scope creep. That is the scope has now enlarged to include all these things that don't are not necessary. Okay. Is it so, that similar to the Diderot effect? I mean, I'm I'm digressing. Yeah, no, to digress. I want to know. Say yeah. it. Yeah. No, I don't know it by memory, but it's something like that. I'm looking for one thing or one issue, just expands into this whole. Like you end up buying, like let's say you buy, you are needing yeah. like a toothbrush, yeah, like a toothbrush holder, and yeah. it just ends up being like, oh, now I need this, now I need that, now I need yeah. this. So that, so basically, what we want to know is that happens in the bathroom, and that also happens in conversations where we talk about this, but then that, but then the other, then the other. So yes. in soul-centered communication, it's one thing at a time, one thing only, the next thing, and if, especially if you're having a conversation with someone who tends to 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 go all around. Mm-hmm. You bring them back. Oh, but today we're planning the vacation or today we're doing the investment account or today we're talking about the bathroom remodel or whatever it is, right? I have a question. Yeah. I have a question because of course I see myself yeah. wanting yes. to talk a thousand things at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Um, what would be, you know, a thought or some, our brain wants pleasure and, you yeah. know, it's going to look for that reward. Yeah. What could a person be thinking that could help them like resist that urge or allow the urge of wanting to talk about other thing? Like what could be something that they can focus on? I'm just wondering like myself, what could be? Well, first the thought is one thing, one thing at a time, one thing only, and then the next thing. That's why mm-hmm. I say it a lot when I'm telling you, I want to yes. watch everybody into that. <laughs> one thing at a time, one thing only, and then the next thing. And then also just the whole solution focused, um, soul-centered communication framework. So it's like, Oh, am I being solution focused? What do I want out of this conversation? If okay. I go on all these tangents, I'm not going to yes. get what I want. Okay. Yes. Going back to that. So yes, going goal. back to what did I actually want and is talking okay. about this and get it. Now in a podcast, we want to talk about everything because it's fun, right? Yes. So it's also <laughs> context, right? Yes. If I'm in a, in a conversation where I'm asking my boss for a raise, I don't want to talk about everybody else on the team and our strategic plan for 2024 and all like all these other things. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about what are the milestones I need to reach to get my yes. race. So just going back through, and that's one of the ways that is an easy framework to use is like, oh, am I talking about one thing at a time? Oh, is the thing I'm talking about what I actually want to accomplish in the conversation? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Thank you. so we did solution focused, open-hearted, uncomplicated, and then loving. So loving, oh, my ever-loving God. Wait until I tell you this part. This is the feminist part of the framework. So when I developed this, I had not yet done my advanced certification in feminist coaching, Mm -hmm. which I know that Chris has also done very passionate about it. But it worked out where it was the thing that actually matched with the reason I originally included it in the framework and then being really liberatory and collaborative in the conversations that we're having. So here's what happens. Most of my clients are really good at prioritizing everybody else and their commitments at work, their family, the second cousins, the third uncles, the The neighbors, the church, everybody, everybody. Everybody. So in loving, you include yourself in the conversation. If I was loving towards myself and towards you, how would I approach this? What would I ask for? What would I want? And the original reason I included it was because I was seeing everybody not include themselves. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait. And so, so that was the original reason. Then I studied my advanced certification. And then I found that loving is where I'm not 
above you or below you. I'm equal to you. Yes. If I was regarding myself equally as you, which is a very feminist principle, which is a liberatory, collaborative, empowering. Mm-hmm. If I am equal to you in this conversation, I'm not above you and I'm not below you. What do I want? How do we handle this? What really matters? So if we're a couple planning a vacation and I really mm-hmm. want to go to Mexico and my partner really wants to go to Austria or something, right? I'm just equally advocating for, okay, maybe one year we go here, and one year yes. we go there, as opposed to we just always go where the other person wants to go. Mm-hmm. To give you a, like a concrete example. Yes, yes. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. I'm here like just digesting everything, literally. Yeah. So that's the whole framework. So it's soul and then centered. And then as you can, everybody can see, you can start using it right now. Am I solution focused? Am I open hearted? And you just ask yourself those questions. Am I being uncomplicated right now? Am I loving? Am I honoring myself equally as the other person? Am I including mm-hmm. myself in mm-hmm. the equation? And then am I centered? Is the other person centered? And then where do yes. we go from there? I love it. And I can even, I mean, I know we, we mainly use this with our adults, but I can even see like how it would work out us as parents with yes. parents, with our kids, modeling that for them. Yes. Exactly. Um, yes. That's so beautiful. I love it. I love it. Um, I don't know. I'm here. Like, I don't even know what I was like. <laughs> uh, I really want to touch a little bit. I know you also have some training like in couples like sexual issues yes. and stuff like that mm-hmm. um anything that you want to share that my listeners would love to know whenever it comes in my I think it's my like my perception that usually most sexual like um tension between the couple is because there's uh, one part of the party wants more and the other one wants less and it's kind of like how do we reach that together yes Um, do you have anything to say about that yes so first of all the person with the so there's high desire and low desire that's how I would how I would talk about it and just for everybody to know um many 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 women are the higher desire person in the couple so there's a perception just in our cultural narratives yes that uh men want sex more than women want sex. That is just actually not true. So I just mm-hmm. want to dispel that myth. Right that way. Yes. Yes, yes, that way. Um, so then it takes soul-centered communication, right? It takes loving communication to figure out what's a balance that works for both of you. So and we I can think, apply that, that same yes. framework to, every, to all the other subjects in there. Yeah, so that's one of the mm-hmm. things is like, how do I have a delicate conversation with someone about what this could look like? And I have lots of thoughts and can, you know, teach a bunch of things, but I'm just going to talk about two things very specifically. One is, I think it's incredibly important for the higher desire person to own their sex life, to mm-hmm. not abdicate the um, power or the um, all of the authority of their sex life to their partner. And what I mean by this is you can self-pleasure, you mm-hmm. can um, engage with your body in sensual loving connection with your body and not make your partner responsible for your sexual satisfaction. Okay. This is very different than a lot of sort of um, traditional psychology approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to say that, that you can decide 
what sexual satisfaction means to you and mm-hmm. what role your partner has in your sexual satisfaction. All of those mm-hmm. things are decisions. It is not a cookie cutter situation where it means we have to do this or we have to do that. So I just want to say, number one, you can take your authority or ownership, of that. ownership mm-hmm. of that and then see where that leads you. So that's the first thing. Um, almost not everybody, but so every there's always nuance to things, but one of my favorite um, resources when it comes to sexuality is a book called Come As You Are. Yes. Highly recommend it. By the sisters that wrote... Um... It's, uh, they wrote Burnout, the Nagoski. Yeah. So yeah. Amelia and Emily wrote Burnout together and Emily wrote um, Come As You Are by herself sure. because she's a sexual mm-hmm. educator. That's what she does. Yes. And in that book, she talks about uh, a concept that researchers have have found called accelerators and breaks. And when there's a lower desire uh, couple, there's two things we wanna know. We wanna know what their accelerators and their breaks are. And we wanna know something that's called spontaneous desire. And I forgot, um, it just escaped my mind for a moment, or responsive desire, that's what it okay. is. So what happens is sometimes we think that we're not interested in sex and that's not actually true. There are people for whom they look at a cup and they want sex. They look at a pen and they're ready to go, right? Mm -hmm. That's spontaneous desire. I am just ready and wherever we are, let's do Mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. That's also the cultural narrative that we see because very often men have spontaneous, not all men, but very often men have spontaneous desire and all the movies and all the depictions of sex in media depict spontaneous desire. It's also very easy to film because it's quick. Mm-hmm. responsive desire which it's not a long gender line so both men and women have spontaneous mm-hmm. and responsive desire um but very often many women have resp- responsive desire is where we need to be wooed yes. we need to kiss we need to cuddle we need to start engaging mm-hmm. in some sexual connection and then we want it Yes. So for every, this is, you know, food and weight loss and how we eat. Think about if you just think about a cookie versus mm-hmm. you walk in a house where they just bake cookies and then you smell the, the cookies yeah. and then you want mm-hmm. the cookies. That's the same idea. It's responsive to, well, the cookie is here. I didn't even think about a cookie today, but mm-hmm. now I smell the cookie and now I want some. Yes. So that yeah. same activity that happens in your brain when you mm-hmm. smell a delicious dish also happens with sex. So just talking about it is like, whatever, I don't want that. But now, if I smell the aroma of my grandmother's favorite recipe, all of a sudden I'm hungry and I want that. So so that idea that somebody has a lower desire, the first thing we need to check is, is it really lower or is it just responsive? Yes, I love making that distinction. And also it kind of like bridges me to a question that I, I wanted to ask you eventually is how do we stay connected in a busy world? So yeah. coming back to um, the responsive desire, yeah. you know, I have three kids ages six, 10 and 11. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just thinking of all my, you know, my, my friends, clients that are kind of like yeah. in a similar situation. Yeah. How do we, you know, stay connected in a way with our spouses that we allow for that in, and in a busy world, like with it yeah. today, um, so we can allow for that responsive desire? So honestly, it's going to sound like an oversimplified answer, but it's really the truth is you have to prioritize it. Mm-hmm. And whenever 
uh, people ask me about this, one of the one of the simplest ways to do it is to schedule. Yes. Sexy time. Okay. To just schedule it, and people are like, "Oh no, it should be spontaneous. We should mm-hmm. know. We should not need that." And it's like, well, but is it happening the way you want it to happen now? I, I'm not asking, not asking you, but I'm just saying, like, to everyone yeah. listening, yes. if it's not happening the way you want to have it now, then you need to schedule it. I love it. And it's very analogous to when I, I tell my clients, let's just plan. You know, if you want to eat the cookies, if you want to eat like whatever, let's yeah. just make a plan and let's plan for that. Oh, but that's that's not spontaneous and yeah. all of that. I'm like, well, is it working right now the way that you're doing it where you're restricting it for three months and then you just end up sick because in one day you eat like the entire thing of cookies so i love that yes like is it happening well no well then let's go ahead and plan for it. it's for sure better than the yes and it requires experimenting just like you do with food when you're eating different things and see how it lands in your body like it requires yes. so so one of my um friends was married to a chef and she was asking me you know when i go around and people know that i know about these things they ask me all these questions so she's like mm-hmm. hey we're not having enough sex. What can we do to have enough sex? So I just was like troubleshooting with her. And I'm like, well, what's going on? She's like, well, he's a chef. So he's working Saturday and Sunday and nights, <laughs> right? Like, okay, so how about the mornings? It had never occurred to her. Like yes. it didn't cross her mind to try the mornings, which is why you have to, when you sit down to say, let's plan it or let's schedule it. Now you're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this time of this morning, I'm always available and he's always available. Oh, okay. Let's try that. Right. Then the next time I that's saw her, she's like, oh my God, like the mornings, the mornings is everything. So that's one thing is the scheduling. And the other thing is going back to the accelerators and the brakes. Yes. Because we're in a busy world. We have a lot of stress. We have things going on and there are things that will be completely turnoffs and things that are turn-ons. So that's mm-hmm. what accelerators and brakes, turnoffs and turn-offs. So we need to know what the turnoffs are so that we can plan for those too. So for example, is it when all of the kids are playing at the neighbor's house? Mm-hmm. Is it, is it, you know, what is the thing that is likely to turn me off and how do I solve for that? Yes. Yes. I can That's see that. Short. That's the short answer. <laughs> yes. I can see, I can see that happening. I I don't want to be too explicit yeah. because many of my listeners know my husband and myself, but I can definitely see, see how that can play out. I love it. Um, well, any other advice or, you know, things that we can implement easy, I'm all for simple, easy, fun things that we can do on that line of things that we can do on the daily to stay connected with our spouses. I mean, we, we spoke about the center and the soul and the accelerators and the brakes. Um, but anything that we can just, a friend of mine, I'm just going to run this by you to see what you think about it. Um, for example, a friend of mine, he's not a coach or a therapist. He just, he's he's a friend. And he told me that, um, when he himself went to prenuptial counseling, um, they mentioned the five minutes, the first five minutes of the morning, the five minutes when that person comes through the door from work, the first five minutes, like just look at yourself in the eyes. Yes. Say hi. Kind of like connect. Like that's a quick way just to connect and see. Like, oh, I'm here for you. How yeah. are you? Um, anything like that that we can do on the daily or maybe every like constantly. Yes. To so keep those ourselves those first five minutes are also based on the Gottman's research. Just as a fun oh. fact. Okay. Um, they call them rituals of connection. Okay. 
And so departures, greetings and departures are always a good idea. I'm going to say two things. The first one is make it a rule to speak to each other as if you love each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not a big fan of rules and I think most rules need to be broken. But if yes. you're going to have a rule, this is a good one to have. I love that. Because very often, if you're like, could we speak to each other as if we love each other? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. What, would we, what would we not be saying? What would we not be doing if we only spoke to each other as if we loved each other? It just reveals so much and it's so simple to, to remember and to do. Yes. And to every human, right? <laughs> I mean... Sometimes we need to bring out the cubanity, as I like to say, but most of the time we don't need to do yes, it, right? Yes. Um, so that's one. And then the other one is also based on their research. I like to do a lot of things that are sort of intuitive, but also evidence-based. So I mix, mm-hmm. you know, when I created the framework for social-centric communication, that was a very intuitive thing. But then whenever I can bring in some evidence-based interventions, I like to yes. bring that into. Um, so I call it the daily check-in. So if you want to stay connected in a busy world to your partner, do you have a moment every day where you check in with each other? How was your day? What was going on? How are you feeling? Whatever it is, whatever is meaningful to you to check in about. Mm -hmm. um, That is a way to stay connected without kids, family, friends, obligations. And sometimes it's coffee in the morning. Sometimes it's a walk in the afternoon. Sometimes it's texting in the day, like whatever it Mm -hmm. looks like for everybody's going to be slightly different. But a key component of of thriving in any relationship is knowing each other's interior world. Mm -hmm. And that is not created in big Oscar moments. Like that is not created on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. That is created five minutes in the morning on a Tuesday done over and over again, you know, thousands of times throughout the years. So the daily check-in and speak to each other as if you love each other. I love that. I love that. Well, Maggie, I think we're going to wrap it up there because that was just so beautiful and I love it. Um, I'm going to start applying this like ASAP, like right now. <laughs> um, thank you for being here. Um, this was, again, like an exquisite treat. Where can my listeners find you? Because so, evidently yes. everybody needs to work with you. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I want to work with everybody who wants to work with me. So you can find me on Instagram at the Maggie Reyes. And my website is called MaggieReyes.com. So you can always just find me there. You can sign up for my emails. I always send you inspiring little things like this. And I have a podcast, if you love podcasts, called the Marriage Life Coach Podcast, where I talk about all these things that I talked about today. I have episodes on each one of these things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you for joining me today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a beat. Also, if this was helpful for you, share it with a friend and also you can share it in social media. It helps get the podcast to more and more people. Also, if you want to download my free planning guide, make sure you go to my website, chrisberlingerimd.com. I would love to see you there. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.